ACB Families is coming up in just about five minutes, so stay tuned, everyone. Thank you. 
Is it? It's right about six o'clock, and so we will go and begin our session, um, our virtual camp campfire story time. And I would like to take this opportunity to welcome. I'd like to take the opportunity to welcome everyone to this session. The uh, the the campfire is built, and it's in July. But just imagine that it's a cool night. So um, we're we're at our virtual campfire. And CB Families is ready for you to uh, have your virtual hot dog and your s'mores. And we're just going to have a good time. With us tonight is Jack Fox. And, and most of us know him as a talking book narrator here in Louisville. He's participated in events several times. And we're going to begin first with Nat giving our continuing ed code. And then we'll be ready to talk a little more uh, about. Um, our guest and begin our story time. So Nat, what's our code? Awesome. Okay. So just a reminder, these codes are for people who signed up for continuing education credits. All right. Our code is five, A as in alpha, C as in Charlie, six, zero. Again, that's five, A as in alpha, C as in Charlie, six, zero. Okay. Thank you, Nat. Um, we're going to have some stories, and uh, in between some of the sections of stories, you'll be able to ask some questions, and then there will be some time at the end where you can ask questions. Uh, maybe we can get Jack to talk to us a little bit about the work he's done as a talking book narrator, but Jack is also the voice you hear at the airport that's telling you to keep up with your luggage <laughs> and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and, and be sure and move your car and all those things at the airport. So you're going to definitely recognize his voice. Jack, we so appreciate you being with us tonight on the, our ACB Families virtual campfire. And so we're going to turn it over to you to begin our story time. Thank you, Carla. <clears throat> Always a pleasure to be with you. Um, I've had, had a mouthful of s'mores here. Excuse me just a second. <laughs> and it feels like the campfire is roaring here in Kentucky. We're having some hot weather. So uh, this campfire is just adding to it a little bit. Uh, speaking of the airport, I, I might uh, might mention if we have any Connecticut people on our broadcast tonight. I just did a an announcement for some airport in Connecticut yesterday. So I'll be joining you there soon, I guess. So it's good. <laughs> well, go ahead. No, go on. I was going to say, uh, I've selected some stories here. Some of them you have heard before. Uh, some are hopefully not too scary. Uh, some are a little uh, a twist to them, but uh, we'll have some fun with them. So I'll just start. I'll read the first one and we'll take a short pause. See if you have any comments and we'll go through some other stories. Okay. This one is called The Unheated Warning. A young lady was driving home after a long vacation. Sometime after midnight, a very heavy storm begins, and she notices she's almost out of gas. She sees a sign for a gas station and convenience store, so she pulls off the interstate to fill her tank. The place is obviously open, but deserted, run down, and old. 
She almost drives on, but convinced she might run out of gas, decides to stop and just get gas. As she pulls in, a tall man with a badly scarred face comes running through the rain. He pumps her gas. The girl rolls her window down just enough to hand him her credit card. He grabs it and runs back inside. The scarred man comes back, tells her she'll have to come inside because her card was denied, and hurries back inside without allowing her to respond. Well, she really doesn't want to go inside and considers driving off without paying. However, she decides to go in very quickly, take care of the bill, and leave as soon as possible. When she gets inside, the man grabs her arm and tries to talk to her. His voice is rough and difficult to understand. She thinks he may have had his voice damaged in whatever accident scarred his face. The man gets increasingly excited, and the young girl becomes more frantic. She finally wrests herself from his grip and runs back to the car. She leaves the station as quickly as possible. She sees the old man through her back window yelling and gesturing her to come back, but she keeps driving. She's on the road, so she turns on the radio to help her relax and see something move behind her. She looks in the rearview mirror, just as a man appears in the back seat holding an axe. That's the last thing she sees in this life. This guard man at the gas station had been trying to warn her. So remember to heed warnings from people, even when it doesn't seem like it's the right thing. Okay with that one? Okay. Wow. <laughs> Here's, uh, this one is called The Yellow Ribbon. It's a story about a boy and a girl in love. Well, Jane wore a yellow ribbon around her neck every day. I mean, every day, rain or shine, whether it matched her outfit or not. It kind of annoyed her best friend Johnny after a while. He was her next-door neighbor and had known Jane since she was three. When he was young, he had barely noticed the yellow ribbon, but now they were in high school together. It kind of bothered him. Why do you wear that yellow ribbon around your neck, Jane? He'd ask her every day, but she wouldn't tell him. Still, in spite of this aggravation, Johnny thought she was cute. He asked her to the soda shop for an ice cream sundae. Then he asked her to watch him play in the football game. Then he started seeing her home. And come the spring, he asked her to the dance. Jane always said yes when he asked her out. And she always wore a yellow dress to match that ribbon around her neck. It finally occurred to Johnny that he and Jane were going steady. And he still didn't know why she wore the yellow ribbon around her neck. So he asked her about it yet again. And yet again, she didn't tell him. Maybe someday I'll tell you about it, she'd reply. Someday. That answer really annoyed Johnny, but he shrugged it off because Jane was so cute and fun to be with. Well, time flew past, as it has a habit of doing. And one day, Johnny proposed to Jane, and Jane accepted. They planned a big wedding, and Jane hinted that she might tell him about the yellow ribbon around her neck on their wedding day. But somehow, what with the preparations and his beautiful bride and the lovely reception, Johnny never got around to asking Jane about it. And when he did, she got a bit teary-eyed and said, We are so happy together. What difference does it make? And Johnny decided she was right. Johnny and Jane raised a family of four with the usual ups and downs, the laughters and tears that come with it. When their golden anniversary rolled around, Johnny once again asked Jane about the yellow ribbon around her neck. It was the first time he'd brought it up since the week after their wedding. Whenever their children asked him about it, he'd always hush them, and somehow none of the kids had ever dared ask their mother. Jane gave Johnny a sad look and said, Johnny, you've waited this long. You can wait a while longer. And Johnny agreed. 
It was not until Jane was on her deathbed a year later that Johnny, seeing his last chance slip away, asked Jane one final time about the yellow ribbon she wore around her neck. She shook her head a bit at his insistence and then said with a sad smile, Okay, Johnny, you can go ahead and untie it. With shaking hands, Johnny fumbled for the knot and untied the yellow ribbon around his wife's neck, and Jane's head fell off. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) A little surprise, a little surprise. Yes. All right. How are we doing so far? Any any comments or questions? What's that? Anybody anybody wants to raise, want to raise their hand? Anybody have a comment about the stories, the two, so far? All right. So, wow. You tell amazing stories. Thank you. Um, (laughs) If you would like to raise your hand, if you're using a PC, it is Alt-Y. If you are using a Mac, it's Options-Y. If you called in on the phone, it's Star 9. And if you're using the app, it's the giant raise hand button. And we do have some raise hands. So give me one moment and I will get to them. All right. And make your questions quick so that we get all to all of Jack's stories. Jean, started you out. should be able to unmute. Hi, this is Jean. Um, I love these stories. They kind of remind me of Twilight Zone. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I went to camp up in Vermont, and I can remember we used to climb Mount Mansfield, and then we would camp down at the bottom and sit around at night and have a fire and, and tell these kind of stories. So this really brings <laughs> back memories. Good, good. Very good. Okay. All right. All right. Well, ready for another one here? Let's, let's go. Let's have another okay. story, and then we'll take another hand. Okay. I'll read one more here, and then we'll take another one. This is called a grave problem. Now, this is supposed to have happened to two young girls, Maddie and Sue. They were best friends, <clears throat> spent a great deal of time together. Maddie was spending the night at Sue's house. They decided to tell ghost stories. Maddie told a story she heard from her older brother about how if you stabbed a knife into a grave, the person buried there would reach out, grab you, and pull you into the grave. Well, Sue didn't believe that story. Maddie agreed, but said she was afraid to try it, even if it was just a story. Well, Sue said, I'm not afraid. I would try it. Maddie called Sue's bluff, daring her to go to the cemetery down the road and prove that she wasn't afraid. Both girls went to the kitchen downstairs. They found a flashlight and a knife. Maddie decided her dare was silly and begged Sue not to do it. But Sue wanted to prove the story was a hoax and that she was not afraid. So off she went into the dark night. Maddie sat at the kitchen table waiting for her friend. Fifteen minutes passed, then twenty. Finally, after thirty minutes, Maddie ran to her parents' bedroom, woke them up, and told them what had happened. She cried in her mother's arms as her father grabbed a flashlight and headed towards the cemetery. When he returned, he was pale and shaken. In a solemn voice, he told Maddie and her mother what he had found. There on the grave was Sue, dead with completely white hair. The police were called, and after listening to Maddie's explanation of why Sue was in the graveyard, the investigation determined the death was accidental. When Sue stabbed the knife into the grave, it went through the hem of her nightgown. Thinking she had been grabbed by the person buried there, she died of fright. Any hands? Hello, Nat. I'm already unmuted. It's Allie. Um, I, wow, these are... My favorite has been the first one so far. I these honestly sound like creepy pastas. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Jack, I just wanted you to know you're a terrific narrator. Thank well, you for thanks. all that you narrate. 
Your airport narrations are excellent as well. Well, I have to tell you, it is my pleasure to be with you people. I, uh, we're down, I tell, tell everybody we're down in the basement down there, so it's great to get feedback from people. And uh, we, all, we all appreciate you, I'll tell you that. Okay, Jack, let's share another right. story. This one is called Ringwood Manor. It's supposedly about an old house in, I think, New Jersey, I believe it is. Ringwood Manor, you say? A lovely old house. But no place, my child, to go on a dark night with no moon. Built in the 1700s, the original house was a collection of smaller buildings patched together to create a manor. The current manor house was built by Martin Ryerson in 1807. Ringwood Manor was the home of General Erskine, who was a geographer and surveyor general for General George Washington during the Revolutionary War. uh, General Erskine died of pneumonia during the war, and he's buried at the manor. Ringwood Manor overlooks a small pond. It's surrounded by truly lovely gardens, which are perfect for a ramble in the daytime. But at night, well, love, it is at night that the ghosts walk. Where? Oh, you are a curious child. Well, there are three different places that are said to be haunted. If you wander the halls of the manor house at night, you might meet the ghost of a housemaid who haunts a small bedroom on the second floor. They say she was beaten to death in this room. Whether there's any truth to it, I don't know. But my friends tell me they've heard noises coming from the empty room. Footsteps, sounds of heavy objects dropping, soft crying. And they keep the bedroom door ajar and the bed rumpled. They keep finding the bedroom door ajar and the bed rumpled. The other ghosts? Well, back behind the manor pond is the grave where General Erskine is buried. The local people are afraid to come to this place because at dusk, General Erskine can be seen sitting on his grave, gazing across the pond. And it is said there is an unmarked grave filled with the remains of French soldiers who fought during the Revolutionary War. During the day, all you can see is a depression in the grass near the general's grave. But after dark, the dead come to the manor pond to walk along the shore. Sometimes you can hear soft, sad voices speaking in French. So go ahead and visit Ringwood Manor. Ramble its lovely grounds and explore all you want. Just be sure to be home before dark. Here's right. one called, a, uh, I'll read one more and then it takes more questions or comments if you like. Yes, yes. <clears throat> this one is called 50 Cent Piece. And again, these are stories that get repeated and have some, some not necessarily a moral, but a, a, an explanation for them. There's a story told in Troy and Albany, New York, about a couple returning home from a trip to New England. They were driving home in a carriage and were somewhere near Spiegeltown when the light failed, and they knew they'd have to seek shelter for the night. The husband spied a light through the trees and turned their horse into a small lane leading up a hill. A pleasant little house stood at the crest, and an old man and his wife met the couple at the door. They were in night clothes and were obviously about to turn in, but they welcomed the travelers and offered them a room. The old woman bustled about making tea and offering fresh-baked cakes. Then the travelers were shown to their room. The husband wanted to pay the couple for their lodgings, but the old lady shook her head, and the old man refused any payment for such a small service to their fellow travelers. The travelers awoke early and tiptoed out of the house, leaving a shiny 50-cent piece in the center of the kitchen table where the old couple could not miss it. The husband hitched up the horse, and they went a few miles before they broke their fast at a little restaurant in Spiegeltown. The husband mentioned the nice old couple to the owner of the restaurant. The man turned pale. Where did you say say that house was? He asked. 
The husband described the location in detail. You must be mistaken, said the restaurant owner. That house was destroyed three years ago by a fire that killed the Brown family. I don't believe it, the husband said flatly. Mr. and Mrs. Brown were alive and well last night. After debating for a few more minutes, the couple and the restaurant owner drove the carriage back out of town towards the old Brown place. <clears throat> they turned into the lane, which was overgrown with weeds, climbed the hill to the crest. There they found a burned-out shell of a house that had obviously not sheltered anyone for a long time. I must have missed the track, said the husband. And then his wife gave a terrified scream and fainted into his arms. As he caught her, the husband looked into the ruin and saw a burnt table with a shiny 50-cent piece lying in the center. A 50-cent piece. All, All right. right. Any questions, comments? Hands up. We do. Linda, you should be able to unmute. Hey. Hey, Jack. I just want to tell you that it is such a joy to hear your voice. Well, thank you. I have listened to you for so many years, and I love you so much. It has been around a while. I've been recording since 1978, <laughs> these books. Uh, at, at yeah, the now, so, you have. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of them. But around campfires, we usually sing songs. Are you going to sing for us? I might have a surprise at the end. We might. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You never know. Although my, my people asked me if I sing, I said, I sound great in the shower, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do we have another hand? Yes. Uh, Fran, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Hi, um, Carla and um, everybody. I just wanted to say that this convention has been really awesome, but there's nothing better than camp stories. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this all week. This is the highlight of the week. Thank you so much for every book you've read and every announcement you've made and everywhere. Thank you for being so generous and kind and giving us your time. We well, love thank you. And thank you for asking questions. Gave me a chance to grab another bite of hot dog here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Need a little more mustard on it, though. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so Jack, how about another All right, story? here's one called Milk Bottles. It's kind of in the vein of the last one or two also. She was just another poor, bedraggled woman, struggling to feed her family. She saw them all the time, their faces, careworn and blank. The Depression had created hundreds of them. He was one of the lucky ones who still had his grocery and money coming in to feed his family. She came one day to his shop, carrying two empty milk bottles, and wordlessly placed them on the counter in front of him. He took the empties and replaced them with full bottles, saying, Ten cents, please. She didn't reply. She just took the bottles and left. He might have gone after her to demand his money or call the police, but he didn't need, didn't either. Her need was in her face. <clears throat> and he always felt a little guilty about being one of the lucky ones with money and a job. She was probably one of the migrant workers, he decided. She was back the next day with two empty milk bottles. He replaced them with full bottles and watched as she hurried out the door. She looked so worried that he wondered if she had a job at all. If she came back, he would offer her a part-time position, cleaning the store. She came back again the next morning and exchanged her empty bottles for full without saying a word. He tried to talk to her, to ask if she wanted a job, but she practically ran from the store with the milk. Her urgency worried him. He followed, wondering what he could do to help. To his surprise, she headed away from the migrant camp outside of town. She went instead to the graveyard by the river. As he watched, 
She hurried up to a stone marker and then disappeared into the ground. He rubbed his eyes, not believing. Then he heard the muffled cry of a baby. <clears throat> it was coming from the ground underneath the stone marker where the woman had disappeared. He ran back to the store and phoned the police. Within minutes, the, grave, uh, the graveyard was swarming with people, and the workers started digging up the grave. When the casket was opened, the store owner saw the woman who had visited his store lying dead within it. In her arms, she held a small baby and two full milk bottles. The baby was still alive. All right. Wow. <laughs> Get some twists here. Yes. Okay. Let's, well, let's do another one. Let's do another one. This is called the Good Samaritan. Then we'll shift gears a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me get another drink of coffee. That s'more is sticking in my throat. <laughs> <clears> throat> Too many graham crumbs there. Good stuff. <clears throat> That's right. This is called the Good Samaritan. One day in Southampton, New York, a woman pulled into a gas station. As the attendant pumped gas, the woman told him she was in a hurry to pick up her daughter, who had just finished an art class in East Hampton. A well-dressed man walked over and started talking to her. He explained that his rental car had died, and he needed a ride to East Hampton for an appointment. She said she'd be happy to give him a ride. He put his briefcase in the back seat, and then said he was going quickly to visit the men's room. Well, the woman looked at her watch and suddenly panicked. She drove off quickly, having forgotten that the man was coming back to the car for a ride. She thought nothing of him again until she and her daughter pulled into their driveway. The woman saw his briefcase and realized she had forgotten him. She opened the briefcase, looking for some form of identification so that she could notify him about his belongings. Inside, she found nothing but a knife and a roll of duct tape. So be careful when you're a good Samaritan. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You never know. You never know. <laughs> All, right. All right. Here's a now some of these, these, these are very short, but they have an interesting twist to them. You ready? <clears throat> yep. This one's called My Daughter Learned How to Count. My daughter woke me around 1150 last night. My wife and I picked her up from her friend Sally's birthday party, brought her home, put her to bed. My wife went into the bedroom to read while I fell asleep watching the Braves game. Daddy, she whispered, tugging my shirt sleeve. Guess how old I'm going to be next month? I don't know, sweetie, I said as I slipped on my glasses. How old? Trying to humor her. She smiled and held up four fingers. It is 7.30 a.m. now. My wife and I have been up with her for almost eight hours. She still refuses to tell us where she got those fingers. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be careful. <clears throat> this one is called The Happiest Day of My Life. Again, a little strange. I watched as my soon-to-be father-in-law held his daughter's hand as he walked down the aisle. Tears streamed down his face as the wedding march that played in the background reminded him that in a few minutes, he would be watching me hold his daughter's hand and slipping on her ring. He walked up to the altar, and I took hold of her hand, grinning from ear to ear. It was the happiest day of my life. My bride's father got down on his knees and started begging, Please, I did what you said. Just give me my daughter back. I glared at him. Shut up and stop ruining the moment. If you sit back down and enjoy the ceremony, maybe I'll tell you where I've hidden the rest of her body. Oh. <laughs> Caught you by surprise on that one. <laughs> All right. Any, any thoughts, any comments? 
Any hands? We, we do have hands. All right. With All right. I don't want to know about hands right now. Let's don't have fingers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hi, Ralph. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Jack, good story. Uh, by the way, I do have uh, eight fingers and two thumbs. So anyway, that, those, are, those are good uh, little campfire stories. Great job, man. Good, good. Got a couple more here that might be fun. Okay. All right. Let's, let's end that. Be sure we mute everybody. Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> but don't mute me because I can't unmute myself. Right oh, now. no, you're <laughs> totally good. So right. everybody's everybody's this counted their you know. toes and fingers now, huh? Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> this one's called, Be Careful What You Ask For. A young girl was late for school one morning, so she took a shortcut through a neighborhood her mother told her was dangerous. Promise me you will never walk to school that way, her mother had said, because it's full of temptation. Her mother went on to tell her that she had been tempted but resisted. She was afraid her daughter was too young to do so. The young girl was almost to school and could not understand why her mother had issued such a warning. She'd seen nothing tempting, no candy, toys, other goodies. Just then she saw, right in front of her, a large copper pot. She scooped it up and rubbed it on the leg of her pants to clean it off, as she thought it might be good to share for show and tell. Of course, out popped a genie. She knew it was a genie from watching movies and television shows. I will grant you three wishes, said the genie. The girl was very smart for her age and thought for a minute before responding, Okay, for the first wish, I want unlimited wishes that will come true. Clever girl, said the genie. And for wish number two, I want a million dollars. Very good choice. And wish number three, I wish to make the best grades and to be the most popular girl in school. But before she could finish, she heard the school bell ring. Oh, no, look what you've done. I'm going to be late for school. I'll get detention. I wish I was dead. <gasps> With a chuckle, the genie granted her wish. All right. Here's, All right. here's one called Rap, Rap, Rapping. I think th th you may get this one. <clears throat> when my grandmother died, I was given the task of cleaning out her house in preparation for selling it. <clears throat> the second night I was staying in the house, I heard a faint rap, rap, rap sound somewhere in the house. I got up and searched for where the sound was coming from. In the hallway, it was louder. Rap, 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 and seemed to be coming from downstairs. As I went downstairs, the sound became louder. Rap, rap, rap. I explored the entire downstairs, but could not find the source of the sound. It seemed to be coming from under the floor of the kitchen. The cellar? When I opened the door to the cellar, the sound was much louder. Rap, rap, rap. Although I was scared, I had to find the source of that rapping. The sound became louder as I descended the stairs. In the corner was an old trunk. Now I could tell the sound was coming from the trunk. I opened the lid very slowly, and there it was, a roll of wrapping paper. I love these stories, Jack. Uh, <laughs> you thought that might you slip never up know. On you. Thought yeah. that might slip up on yes. you a little bit. <laughs> Any hands? We do. Candice, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Thank you, Carla and Jack, for such a wonderful presentation. Jack, my name is Candice. I'm from Colorado Springs, and these stories are just great. Um, are, how long have you been storytelling? Well, I've been reading at the Printing House since 1978, but you're from Colorado Springs. Have you, are you, did you grow up there? I'm so sorry I muted her. Oh, okay. 
Uh, the reason I asked, uh, I worked in Denver radio before I came to uh, Louisville to work at a radio station here. I was at KOA Radio in Denver, and the Springs was one of our very favorite areas to take our tourists' families to go down and visit uh, all the all the attractions down there. That's amazing. Hello, this is Adam. And, uh, Jack, I just finished reading a couple of sets of fairy tales by uh, Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen. And the editors, uh, in those, pointed out that a lot of times the fairy tales are short and the story is the main thing, as opposed to some novels you know more about the main character's nervous system than you do about the plot. <laughs> and so these stories tonight uh, fit that same thing they're they're good they're you know we we know about the plot and the the characters you know we don't need to know uh their names even it's it's the story and we have to uh, allow ourselves some area of belief and one of the editors in the fairy tales said that uh you know for children it's easy for adults it's hard so thank you very much for helping us out tonight well, you know, that went into my selection of trying to find stories. There were some obviously classics by Edgar Allan Poe, but they're, they're, they're long and they take a lot of detail. I, I, I thought these shorter ones might fit a little better. Uh, so we just see I'm I'm reading a, um, a, a couple of Western. Well, they're they're sort of Westerns by Terry Johnston about uh, Titus Bass, who's a trapper out in the late 1800s in Colorado and all through the West. And it's wonderful, but sometimes they go on for three pages describing how he's, you know, uh, skinning a beaver or something. <laughs> Gets a little involved. <clears throat> okay, let's have another story. All right, here's one. I've got a couple more here. <clears throat> here's one uh, that has an interesting little twist to it. It's called A Porker in the Family. I was a young veterinary student. I'd been asked to make the rounds of the local farms one week in the absence of my boss. Dr. Johnson, most of the week was uneventful, the usual horse vaccinations, sprained dog paws, sick cows. However, when I got to the McPherson farm, I saw something extraordinary. While I was talking to Farmer McPherson, a pig came ambling around the corner of the barn. What was extraordinary about it was that the pig had three artificial legs. I asked Farmer McPherson about this curious animal. Why would anyone give a pig even one artificial leg? much less three. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> well, he drawled, that there ain't no ordinary pig, let me tell you. One day I was out bailing some hay, and I hopped off on the tractor to check the tire, which was kind of wobbly. Wouldn't you know it? The tractor started a roll of its own account and trapped me right there under the wheel. Just then old Pinky, the pig that is, wandered by and saw what had happened and skedaddled back to the house and fastened his teeth on my wife's dress. Wouldn't let go till he dragged her out to where I was laying. And then she got the tractor off me. That's one smart pig. Better than Lassie, I'd say. I was quite impressed. I knew pigs were pretty intelligent, but I'd never heard of a pig doing anything like that. That's amazing, I said. But that still doesn't explain the artificial limbs. Well, let me tell you about another time, McPherson said. My son was down at the swimming hole yonder a couple of summers ago. He hit his head on a big log out in the middle of the water. He was about to go down for the third time when old Pinky jumped into the water, swam out to him, grabbed him by the shorts with the teeth, and drug him coughing and spluttering up onto the shore. Saved my son's life, that pig did. Incredible, I exclaimed. 
Most pigs can't even swim. But the artificial legs? Well, last year, the old farmhouse burned down. The farmer continued, Like as not, we all would have been centers, but for that little porker. We was all asleep when the fire started, but old Pinky ran squealing around the house till we all woke up and went and dragged my youngest girl from her bedroom just seconds before the roof collapsed. That is one special pig, I admitted. But please, tell me, why does Pinky have three artificial legs? Well, said Farmer McPherson, a pig like that's just too good to eat all at once. (laughs) There you go. Told you I have a little twist to them. I guess. (laughs) I like that. All right. All right. Well, I've got one more here that we'll do, and then we can just talk some. of that work for you? Sure. I'm a little early here, but uh, okay. Yes. Oh, no. Go ahead. Okay. Once there was a little girl whose name was Rosemary. One night she woke up about midnight because she heard someone walking across the floor downstairs. Step, 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 step. She quickly pulled the covers up over her head and shivered, holding her breath. Soon she hears a wavery voice. Rosemary, I'm on the first step, and I'm coming to get you. Then Rosemary heard another step, and then the voice said, Rosemary, I'm on the second step, and I'm coming to get you. Well, every step the voice called out to her, until the voice was right beside her bed. Rosemary, I'm right beside your bed. Rosemary, I got you. Hope we didn't cause any heart attacks there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. So let's take a few uh, comments. And then um, I'd like to just talk uh, briefly if people have places where they like to get books, especially for kids. That might be something that we want to cover, especially if we have people who are Um, looking for resources for those kinds of books. And then, Jack, also, uh, I'd like for you to talk to us about how you got into talking books and the narration and so on. Uh, I think that would be also of interest to people. So, um, first of all, the comments on the stories and sharing some resources that you know about for obtaining children's books or other books in Braille, but especially children's books that are um, reasonable in cost or that are free. So we'll open it up to questions. Kay Al, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Well, aloha, Jack. I'm Kay from Hawaii. I've been a big fan of your work. Very good. Thank you. So I have a question for you. How did you get the pronunciation right when you did the announcements for, I think it was the Hilo Airport? Uh, it's it's in Kauai, and maybe yeah. Hilo too. I'm not sure. I know we were in Kauai about five or six years ago, and I was standing in line and heard my voice. I was well, I knew it was there, <laughs> but uh, I learned how to say mahala and uh, aloha. Uh-huh. Uh, we we asked some people, and hopefully we hope we got it close anyway. You got it pretty good, but thanks for telling those great scary stories. You didn't give yeah. me a heart attack, if, so. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure about that last one. I, if I should warn you or not, I wasn't sure, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, yeah, I was I was standing in line there in uh, Kauai waiting for the oh, for the uh, to go through the security, and uh, my voice started coming on, reminding me that uh, I couldn't have agricultural products in my bag and all that sort of thing. So that was a nice surprise. Thank you, Kal. 
Area code 970, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Hi, um, this is Catherine Johnson from Fort Collins, Colorado, and I've lived in Colorado since I was five, and so I recognized your voice uh, from KLA, and thank you so much for, for reading today. Um, I don't have really any questions, but I do... Um, wanted to say that I went to two church camps down at uh, La Foray near Colorado Springs, and this brings up fond memories of my years being a camper from um, third grade on through uh, high school. Thank you. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I will I'll tell you, when I was at KOA, I was Jack Frost on the radio there, and uh, that led to a story. One morning, I had a call from a lady who said, you have to help me out. And I said, why? Because we'd had frost that morning and on, on the on the window panes. And she said, my uh, four-year-old said, what's that? And she said, well, a little man named Jack Frost comes around at night and puts that on the windows. And he said, I just heard him on the radio. Why is he working on the radio? And my youngest <laughs> daughter had just been born and she thought quickly and said, well, he has a new mouth to feed, so he had to take on a second job. So uh, I was I was Jack Frost and a couple of wore a couple of hats in Colorado. So. <laughs> All right, thank you, Catherine. Do we have another hand? We do, Melissa. You should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Hi there. Um, so first, I have a question and a comment. So my first, I'm going to start with my comment. So. I don't actually live in the United States. I live in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, and I'm especially really enjoying your stories because it's late at night here. It's about <laughs> it's about 2:40 a.m. over here, so your your stories are that much more creepier because it's good, at night. Good, good, good. And uh, my question is, where do you find like the stories you just read? Did you find them online or were the users submitted or because they're really I did. I, I found them online. I just Googled campfire stories for kids. And there were several choices there. And I picked uh, I just picked some that I thought would fit. They were all online. I, I was going to look for some books at the printing house, but they didn't didn't really have any there. And then again, I looked at a lot of classics, Edgar Allan Poe and some things like that. But they were I just felt they might be a little bit too long to uh, sustain. So these these seemed to fit a little better, but they were on. Uh, I just Googled campfire stories for kids. I think it was. And there were many I didn't even select. Mr. Google seems to know all. And the he neat does. thing when you find some things like that, um, if you. If you copy them, clip them from the web page and save them onto your uh, into your word processor or WordPad or something, then often you can rail them out and turn them into stories and you don't even have to try to have a source for them from somewhere else. So my wife um, and I my wife and I kid all the time. We you can't <laughs> say I don't know anymore. You have to say, let me Google that, you know, That's and, right. and, and even now it's past that. You say, Alexa, please tell me, or uh, Siri, tell me this, you know, Yes. Uh, sometimes I have my phone with me when I'm recording in the studio and I have it on mute, but it just happened today. I'll say something and it triggers Siri. She starts saying, here's what I found on that subject. You know, <laughs> yeah, know. it's just everywhere. Mm. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, good to hear from you from, from Dubai. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm glad you're here. Do we have another hand Nat? We do. All right. Bob, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Uh, yes. Hello. Um, 
Jack, I love listening to your voice. It's really smooth and uh, I can listen to you for hours. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Question, which uh, which airports have you uh, voiced? I don't think I've, I don't, I'm not sure I've ever heard I have, uh, your voice before. But I uh, have, uh, I, I, there's a, there's a, a studio here in town in Louisville, Kentucky, where I am that I did recording for, for years. I did commercial scripts for them and narrated videos and things, but they had a division that was an electronic division, always coming up with different electronic devices. And one of the things they developed was the uh, computerized paging system that they've installed in airports around the world. In fact, they're in Dubai. I know my voice is not there, but they're in airports and stadiums around the country so that announcements will not walk on each other. So if, if you make an announcement, it goes in line and uh, they, they use that. So they needed voices for that. And they had a lady who worked for them for years. This lady you hear literally everywhere. Her name is Carolyn Dea, Carolyn Hopkins. Uh, she's from Louisville. She's living in Maine now. She and her husband retired up there. But uh, I did voiceover work for the studio. And in 1991, during the Gulf War, they decided they wanted a male voice to add to the mix. And they wanted somebody they said was... Uh, Friendly yet authoritative, and evidently I fit that mold and started doing them for the Louisville airport, and then they picked them up. They tell me now they're in about 100 airports around the country. Uh, I'm not sure where all they are, but uh, they'll pop up in lots of places. I tell people every week at church, I have at least three people uh, stop and say, well, I was in Tulsa, and I heard you, or I was in Bangor, Maine, and I heard you, and so I, I they're scattered around different places. I know it's in, uh, in Kauai. I know that because I was visiting there. I was going through uh, Minneapolis several years ago. The first time I actually heard it, I was at uh, seven o'clock in the morning making a connecting flight to Phoenix. I'm in the men's room and I hear my voice talking to me. That was kind of weird, you know, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're scattered around the country in different places. It's in, it's been in, uh, in LaGuardia and JFK, I know. And then some places also um, uh, will mix it in with their local voices. Mine is just there to be a standard. As I said, I just did one yesterday for uh, some Connecticut airport. They have a Connecticut travel advisory in effect about COVID. And we made a short announcement about that. They record them here and then they just upload them right to the uh, to the computers in the airports. Hmm. And Jack, do they sometimes uh, use them for different airports or multiple airports? Yes, or uh, we are, many, many of the uh, the moving sidewalk announcements. While on the moving sidewalk, oh, yeah. please stand to the right to allow those wishing to walk to pass safely on the left. That's in many airports around the country. And, and uh, about checking your bags so that other people uh, don't get the wrong bag and that sort of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're, those are generic ones, and they're scattered around the country. Okay. If you've been All to right. an ACB convention, I've told the story about... Uh, being at an airport with my wife and daughter and granddaughter, and we're waiting for a, a rental car. <laughs> and my voice is playing in the background by the luggage area there every two minutes. And my four-year-old granddaughter looked at her mother and said, why is grandpa talking so much? <laughs> <laughs> so she couldn't get away from it. Right. Right. Let's, um, let's share a few resources for books where we get books, of course, um, we have the obvious resources, which would be BARD and um, various aspects of that BARD, BARD Express um, from our libraries on cartridge or whatever. And then we have Bookshare. And of course, Bookshare is that 
of subscription. Uh, if you are not a student, it's $50. But if you are a student, whether you're a child or you are an adult, if you are a student, then the subscription is free. And I had, I told someone that the Bookshare subscription was free for students. And uh, this is a person in college. And they said, well, yes, but the book was still expensive. And um, so I'm not exactly sure what the uh, disability student's office was telling people, but I couldn't imagine why she was paying for this expensive book if she was purchased, if she was a Bookshare subscriber. But, um, but at any rate, that's a great source of books. Some of the other sources, one that comes to mind, of course, for me, is Seedlings, and Seedlings has made it a, uh, a point to make sure that they have books to um, distribute that, that people who are looking for children's books, be they board books for babies or uh, books for kids up to teens, and in all different types of, of Braille transcription from grade one Braille to you know, contracted and, and various, I think all points in between. Um, but Seedlings is really a good source and a very reasonably priced source. Their books typically are the same cost as they are in the bookstore, and they get grants to help with that. Um, the uh, 800 number that I have for Seedlings is 800-777-8552. And Hopefully, if you are looking for children's books, you'll take advantage of that opportunity. Um, there's, of course, some other resources, but I'll give, I'll give uh, others of you a chance to let us know where you have enjoyed obtaining books be they for yourselves, be they either for children or teens uh, or for adults, but primarily for the school-age children. Would anybody like to share? We do have some raised hands. All right. All right. Linda, you should be able to unmute and go ahead. Hi there. We must not forget National Braille Press. Absolutely. Um, they have the Book of the Month program for the small children with the what, what we call the Twin Vision books. And I, I tell you, I did not have Twin Vision books when my babies were little. But when my grandkids came along, I found them. And I, I just have to tell you a seedling story. My very first ACB convention, I was at lunch with um, a table full of people. And I said, where do you get to Envision Books? And I was told about Seedlings. And so that's a fond memory of my very first ACB convention. But National Braille Press is another really good um, source. Okay. And the Thank National Braille Press number is 800-548-7323. 800-548-7323. And their website is NBP as National Braille Press, nbp.org. And uh, you can order books from them and get them either in Braille format, and they have a lot of things in digital downloads. And they're very reasonable. Um, you can either subscribe to the Children's Book Club and pay a flat fee and get a book of the month, or you can purchase those books individually if you want to select your own books and not especially have to have uh, the books that others have picked out. All right. Anyone else have a, have something to share? Betsy, you should be able to unmute and go ahead. Okay. This is Betsy. Thank you, Jack, so much for reading the stories. We've enjoyed it very much. I have a question for you, and then I'll give you some book options, Carla. Okay, the question go ahead. I've always wondered 
because I've been asked, told I should be a narrator, but I've never tried it except for local stuff. Is how do you keep the same voice for the same person and remember which voice goes with which person all the way through? I read to my kids for years all the way through college. We'd read it at night. I read to my grandchild now, but I never have figured out how you keep, if it's a longer book, how you keep the same voice for the exact same person all the way through. And it's then tough. my, my book, you can answer that. And if they'll keep me unmuted, okay. I'll give the book selection. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's let Jack answer that question and then you can okay. give us your resource. Uh, it is tough. Um, I, I read ahead. Uh, 40 or 50 pages about what I get each day, depending on the book. So I get it in my mind. But if I see something that's a question, I go back and, and try to, maybe a character came up in the first chapter, doesn't come again till the 10th chapter. So I'll go back and uh, uh, refresh my memory of who that person is and, and what they're doing. I get a picture into my mind of what that person looks like and uh, what, you know, I think they should sound like and work on that. And if I have to, I'll go back and listen to how we said it before. But on a long book, you're right. It's And what, what's difficult, too, is you've got four or five different characters reacting to each other. That's very difficult also. Well, I did record books for two or three of my children on tape, and they were hours and hours. I did my best to keep this voice the same. They liked it anyway, yeah, but that's been my did. question for years. <laughs> I bet they did. It's, it's difficult to remember all the way through. Yeah. But anyway, the book selections, this one, I don't have the information in front of me, Carla, but I could get it if you want it later. Volunteer Brailleist and Tapist in Wisconsin does children's books. I believe they're not Twin Vision like uh, NBP, but they do a lot of them. And and also, I don't know if this group still exists, but in case it does, Braille Circulating Lutheran Braille Circulating Library in Richmond, Virginia, did a lot of children's books when my kids were younger. So those are the two I used you haven't mentioned. And I still use NBPs. Betsy, Volunteer Brailleist and Tapist. I will. Yeah. Volunteer Brailleless and Tape is VBT. Yes. Uh, I think they may have changed it to VBS now, Volunteer Braille Services. But I get books from them still for adults. So I know okay. they still exist. And Marsha wanted me to mention to you the Dolly Parton, that, that she does a oh, Braille yeah. book giveaway as well. But I don't yes. know the website on that either. But she wanted me to tell you that. She's on the phone. I, I believe, Jack, you might know. I believe that's through the, uh, that's in partnership with APH, isn't I it? I believe so, yes. Uh, yeah, I've recorded a couple of those. And my daughter, Jill, who also is a narrator, she's done several, I believe. Yes. And so you might want to contact APH for information on that. APH does have a lot of children's materials. So that would be 502-895-2405. And the website is aph.org. Uh, my check there. And Jack, if, I love your books. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. If if you're if you have a blind child in school, uh, good resources for some of the books, especially trade books. But I guess not so much at home. Adam could jump in here and maybe tell us a little bit. The um, the uh, instructional resource material centers uh, in your various states and schools. Uh, they're a good source for sometimes trade books for kids, but the teachers have to request them and uh, they are on free loan. You don't have to buy those books, but, and Adam, if I'm misspeaking, you jump in here and, and correct me. I do want to go back to that volunteer Brailleist. I have a number which could be an old number for them, but I'm going to share it just in case. Um, it, I have 608 and um, they. Uh, they have uh, had 
children's books, uh, cookbooks. I have that they used to have craft books. So that might be a good resource for some reading materials and especially not just storybooks, some other information. Um, and let's see, any, anyone else have anything else they would like to share on the, any other resources? All right. Ani, you should be able to unmute and go ahead. Ani, this is Ani. Uh, could you please repeat that phone number for a volunteer uh, Braille? You were giving it so yes. quickly. I couldn't. I'm sorry. Okay, That's now okay. remember, this may not be current because this is coming off, a, off of a list that the Kentucky Council of the Blind compiled some time ago. And we did update it, but I haven't updated it for a little while. 608 608-233-0222. Could you also please repeat the number for the Bookshare? I think you gave that one. Um, Bookshare, I don't have a phone number for them. Well, the best thing to do with Bookshare is to go to their website. They like for you to go there and sign up through the website. It's just Bookshare, B-O-O-K-S-H-A-R-E dot O-R-G. And when you sign up, if you're not a student, when you sign up, um, you pay a $25 kind of an activation fee for your um, subscription. You must be uh, blind or visually impaired in order to use their, or um, meet, meet the qualifications for use of the talking book uh, libraries. And so that also could mean people with dyslexia or other physical disabilities that make it difficult for them to read books. And um, so you have your $25 sign-up fee, and then it's $50 a year for the subscription. But for that, you can download just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. And those files are in many formats. Um, you can get Braille-formatted files, DAISY files, um, the audio files, just Word files. And, and all of these different formats are available for each book. And I think... The last thing I saw was that they had over 800,000 books, and they are both fiction and nonfiction. Their textbooks range from, you know, very uh, beginning, you know, kindergarten level books up to graduate school. So there is just a wealth of material there. I I love Bookshare. I use it a lot. Um, Carla, can I tell you a story about, uh, you talk about being uh, the wide range of how books are used. My wife and I were in Cincinnati several years ago, spending a night at a weekend at a bed and breakfast. And as we had breakfast the next morning with this lady who was, um, she was I think she worked for Procter & Gamble. She was in Europe, but she had come back for some training, asked what I did. I told her about reading books. She says, oh, my goodness, let me tell you the story. Her sister was Laura Hillenbrand, who wrote Secretariat and, oh. um, and The Unforgiven. But back years and years and years ago, her sister suffered from chronic fatigue uh, syndrome. Nobody knew what it was at that time. They thought she was crazy. Uh, she couldn't get out of bed. She vertigo. She just couldn't function. But she said books, uh, uh, recorded books is what got her through. Uh, she would record the book. She, she could listen. And uh, when she couldn't move, she couldn't open her eyes. But she could re- she, those books were so helpful. And then this lady said that her son had dyslexia and uh, recorded books had helped him uh, through his schooling and, and, and uh, just make all kinds of adjustments. So the books are very important. Yes, and they're not. We think of, of these programs as being just for 
people who are blind or visually impaired, but they truly are not. They're for anyone that's having trouble with reading print. Mm -hmm. You know, another source that we absolutely need to uh, remember is Horizons for the Blind because they have a lot of Braille materials. And Horizons, um, of course, if we'd been in Schomburg, we would have had a tour to Horizons and gotten to see their major store that they have. Uh, but they have all kinds of, of resources. And um, the, the number that I have for them is 815-444-8800. 815-444-8800. Um, and, of course, their founder, Camille Caffarelli, just passed away this spring. And she was such a creative person and came up with just all created all kinds of things. And she is, of course, a person who is in a large measure uh, responsible for making sure that we get our credit card statements each month in Braille. Horizons does a lot of that brailing. They do it very efficiently and securely. And I, for one, am very grateful for their services. Okay, anyone else with a source? All right, right, we'll take one more source. And then, um, Jack, I want you to tell us, I want you to tell us a little more about you getting into the talking book, reading okay. talking books. Okay. Okay. Thank one you're more. and get to go. Hi, I apologize for not being able to unmute earlier, but the button simply disappeared. I had to unload the app and completely reboot <laughs> to get it back. So I I'm know so how sorry. that is, Vicki. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those yeah, things. Listen, I have a couple of couple of quick comments to make. Number one, oh, Jack, I have listened to you throughout the years and absolutely have thoroughly enjoyed your books. And once you said Jack Frost, then I remember uh, you from KOA. Yeah, it's been a little while ago. Been a little while yes, ago, it Jill. has. Yes, it has. <laughs> and our daughter charity. was born there, though. One of our daughters, Jill, who reads, but she was born in the Swedish hospital there in Denver. Oh, my, 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 my. How yep. cool. Very good. Um, also, Bookshare, if anybody has trouble with the site, they're really good to get back to you and help you. So they're great people over there. And uh, that's all I have to say. Thanks. All right. All right. So, Jack, let's, uh, let's let you take a few minutes here and tell us about how you got into reading talking books and, and creating so many hours of reading enjoyment for everyone. Okay. Well, I'll, I, I will tell a few things that you may have heard before if you've been around. With my daughter, Jill, and I have spoken at several state conventions and at a couple of ACB conventions. That's uh, okay. <laughs> many of you probably know I'm, far as I know, I'm the only Harvard graduate who is a reader at the printing house and for NLS. Uh, but that is Harvard, Illinois High School, so that you don't get too impressed <laughs> right away. Uh, but I'm a Harvard graduate, graduated from Harvard High School uh, when I was 17 years old. But I started in radio there. I started this little town in radio, and I, I had a career in radio. I worked, uh, went down to Evansville, Indiana to go to college and worked at a radio station there. Went to Winston-Salem, North Carolina for a brief year, then came back to Evansville uh, to go back to school and uh, met my wife there. Lou and I were married there. And uh, in December, we'll have been married 56 years, if you can believe that. Uh, she was, I think, two years old when we got married. She makes me say that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, worked at radio stations in uh, Kansas City and then Denver, and then came back here to uh, Kentucky. Our family was from back in this area. 
not right here in Louisville, but around the area. And we wanted our kids to be around grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, we loved Denver. We loved the Rocky Mountain West, but just getting to see grandparents and cousins and everything once or twice a year was just, we want a little more than that. So we came here. We've been in Louisville since 1973, enjoyed it, worked at a radio station, WHAS here, and I had a good time there till about 1995. Uh, but in 1978, I think it was, I left the station for two or three years. I was going to freelance. And uh, as you know, the life of a freelancer uh, can be up and down. I uh, didn't have a set routine, and evidently I need a set routine. And uh, I was finding myself at uh, noon still in my pajamas <laughs> sitting around the house, and my wife wasn't very pleased about that. So uh, I had heard about this place called American Printing House that many of the local media people and actors were reading. And I thought, well, I'll go out there and see if I can what I can do. Well, I went out and auditioned and loved the place right away and uh, started reading, uh, scheduling myself at eight o'clock in the morning so I'd get up and get out of the house and be dressed. That's really how I started, you know, mm. uh, but I have been doing it ever since. Uh, have a little, little better routine since then. Uh, I read all kinds of things, had a wide background, around 12 or 1500 books, I think. Nowhere near what Mitzi Friedlander has read. Uh, We've had a lot of legends walk through those halls there, Mitzi being one of them. Um, I read a couple of sessions a day now, one session a day, two-hour sessions. At one time, all of us were reading two two uh, two-hour two sessions. But about two and a half years ago, NLS uh, cut back a little bit. They were putting some money that they were using for books into their infrastructure and thing that needed to be done. Uh, but that has not come back. So we're all still reading uh, and they're doing more commercial books now, I believe too. We're doing the opens and closes for some of those. Uh, but I, uh, I read a couple of hours a day, Monday through Thursday, usually sometimes on Friday, I have, uh, the same monitor a fellow named Bruce Hunty. Bruce has also read, read a lot of books over the years, but he's a monitor right now. Um, I, Try to prepare for each session by reading well ahead, underlining words that are going to be difficult. We have a lot of foreign words sometimes that are a little difficult for me. We have monitors and uh, who, who prepare also. They are there in the studio or just in another room from us to monitor so that we get as many things correct as we can. And uh, they also do a lot of research so that we make sure we get as as close to right as we can. As you may know, NLS is a stickler for having exactly what's on the page on there. Uh, uh, lack, let's see, was it last, maybe last year sometime, the Kentucky uh, Talking Book Library celebrated their 50th anniversary, and I went down for that. And there was a lady there who's a Kentucky author, uh, writes religious books. I can't remember her name right now, but she was recording her own books, and they loved that except she was in the studio one day and she misread something and the monitor stopped her and said, that's, that's not what it says on the page. She said, I know, but I'm the author. I can, she says, no, it has to be what's on the page. So she had to go back and correct her mistake. <laughs> so uh, we have monitors who do that. Uh, they watch us closely. Then it goes to a proofreader. I tell them I'm the king of misreads from my years in radio. I was used to grabbing cold copy and reading it. And so you had to edit in your mind as you went along. And sometimes the meaning was there, but the words weren't the same. It was written down. So I tell the monitors and proofreaders, I'm, I'm, I'm job security for them. I've got a, they've got a lifetime job as long as I'm around. 
So uh, that's the process. We read, <clears throat> goes back to the proofer, comes back to us, and we uh, make corrections on it, which are much easier now because we have uh, digital. Uh, I started recording when we used huge 16 real tapes, 16 inch real tapes, and sent them out on, uh, on the, the old cartridge, old cassettes. Uh, now we're all digital. Makes it a lot easier to record, a lot better quality, and much, much easier to uh, do corrections. And uh, I'm thankful for that since I have a lot of corrections. I don't know if that answers your questions or not, but I enjoy reading and uh, look forward to it every day. Keeps my voice in shape, for one thing, although it doesn't sound like it tonight, but uh, keeps my voice in shape. And I read a lot of things that I may not take the time to sit down and read otherwise. I've said before, I read everything from... uh, Winnie the Pooh to Hannibal Lecter with Dr. Phil and Billy Graham in between. So I read a lot of things that uh, I may not sit down and, and read otherwise. Any hands up? Any questions for Jack? Debbie, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Hi, Jack. Hi, Debbie. Um, Where are you from, Debbie? I am from Allentown, Pennsylvania. This is Debbie Rozier, uh, All right. the co-chair of the awards committee. So right. you'll be seeing me later. <laughs> um Jack, I to you, I wanted to say that I was at one of the conventions where you and Jill both read, and it was wonderful. And mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I wanted to say, when you were giving out all those different um, resources, before I came on this call, I was on the Bookshare call for about five to ten minutes. And um, they have a... Um, they have a three-month free subscription to veterans right now. They don't have to be blind or anything, but it's a three-month subscription. And there is a code that you have to put in, and it's capital letters. It's capital V, capital E, capital T, 2020. And they'll get a free uh, three-month subscription. Oh, very good. Thank you, Debbie. Yep, not okay. a problem. All right. Thanks much. Anyone hey, before, else? We, before we run out of time and before you guys have to wrap up, I, you ask about a song. You know, can't have a campfire without a song. Church. So uh, I would like to wrap up and you guys can join me on the end, especially if you like. Uh, I thought this would be appropriate for a campfire. Anybody remember Roy Rogers and Dale Evans? Am I the only old guy that remembers <laughs> Roy Rogers and Dale Evans? Happy trails. Happy trails. <laughs> I, I, I practiced this this morning. I'll sing the last bit and you guys... Get ready to join me, either unmute or just belt it out where you are, okay? <laughs> it goes, remember, this is, we're riding up the campfire. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather. Happy trails to you until we meet again. So wherever you are, belt out that last one. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Whether it's an airport or a convention somewhere. Good to be with you. Jack, you're wonderful. Absolutely fabulous. And we really appreciate you being here. And we all plan to go to the, con- hoping the convention can be in Phoenix next year. But um, if, it, if it can, that'll be great. And if it can't, we hope we'll be uh, virtual again. And we hope we'll have a lot of virtual 
aspects to our convention, uh, even if we are all there. So we really appreciate you being here. I hope everybody has enjoyed this. And um, uh, if you'd like to know more about ACB families, we meet each month. We have a peer support meeting, which sometimes is just open discussion. We'll pick a topic and people can come and share. Sometimes we'll have a speaker. It might be uh, on a financial topic, might be on, um, you know, our favorite skills and apps. Uh, It can be on uh, some resource with children or with seniors who are losing their vision. It, It can be just a wide range of things. So watch for those announcements. We have an email list. Families, you can get on our email list by sending a message to families-subscribe at acblists.org. We have uh, our, our membership drive is coming up in the fall, but it's not too early to, uh, to get those membership dues in. If you'd like to be part of families, everyone is welcome to join. It's just $8 a year. And Uh, You can pay with a credit card by just giving me a call. Uh, I am the president of ACB Families. Uh, Adam is the treasurer, uh, my husband, Adam. And we're always pleased to help you join uh, through through your credit card or you can mail in a check. For more information, give us a call at 502-897-1472, 502-897-1472. And if you're already a member... Just invite someone else to join. Uh, it's always good to to get new people, and some of the best ways to reach new people is by members telling other people and asking them to become members. Our second meeting of the month, which is the third Sunday of the month, uh, is is more of a business meeting. We we conduct business if we need to on those uh, on those sessions. And um, we sometimes can have a speaker there, too. So our first meeting after the beginning of, uh, after the end of this convention will be, let's see, that would be August 7, August 7, uh, and that would be at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on the conference line. Again, give me a call if you need information. We'll be posting those numbers and invitations uh, and you'll see them out on a lot of the email lists. If you uh, are here for a continuing education code, uh, we would give you that code now and uh, be sure and make a note of that on your CE report. And if you need information or need help with completing that report or have questions about it, you can uh, call call me at the following number, 877 630 7190-877-630-7190, or you can contact the Minnesota office at 612-332-3242. Remember that those CE reports do need to be in by the middle of August. So if you don't have your reports in your email or you need a new copy or you have questions, be sure and ask about that. You can use these. Uh, you can use those credits also for professional development hours. If you think that that would be something you could find useful with your employer, so if you're interested in those certificates, give us a call. So now, Nat, will you give our 
closing code. Sure, no problem. All right. That is 4865D as in Delta. Again, that's 4865D as in Delta. All right. Thank you, Nat. We sure appreciate everybody participating in all of our family's activities this week from historic Hawaii to the Civil War, uh, the uh, Sultana disaster session to the Helen Keller presentation by Michael Hudson from APH and to our uh, Braille Lego session today and our story time with Jack Fox. We hope that you all will participate in our sessions throughout the year and Thanks so much for participating in families' programs. Everybody have a good rest of the convention, and we'll look forward to talking to you on our families' calls. Thanks.